And like I say, every time I come, like I, um, I can't wait to be in heaven because we're going to worship. And there's something that happens when you worship the Lord, when you're in his presence and, and he meets you in the area of your need. And that's my prayer for you today, that God will meet you in your area of need. Um, in the 1970s, in Vietnam, it was a communist regime. And the communist regime, they don't believe in God. There was a small church that was assembled in the house. And as they're going through their service, bang, the communists came in with the guns blazing. And they came in the room and they, they took over the room and they started insulting people, screaming at them and, 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 and bad-mouthing Christ and threatening them. And then the chief officer came in. He walked around, looked around and said, okay, anybody... And he took the Bible and he put it on the floor. Anybody who spits on this Bible, you get to walk out. We're not going to kill you. And then he walks and then he sees a man and says, you, come here, you first. And the man comes up and he's like, forgive me, Jesus. And then he spits. All right, you can leave. Another woman, she comes and, and she gives a little, little spit. Boop. But that's enough. You can leave. And one after the other, they speed on the Bible. Until a 15, 16-year-old girl comes by herself. She picks up the Bible. She wipes the spit. And she says, Father, what have they done to your word? Please forgive them. And so the communists take their gun, will point it at her. And then they pulled the trigger. And the 15, 16-year-old girl died at that moment. And the question that I have this morning is, what makes it that somebody like this, a 15, 16-year-old girl, would be willing to risk her life for Christ? Uh, by the way, this story comes from the book Jesus Freaks. And that book is a compilation of martyrs, people who gave the, paid the ultimate, ultimate price for their faith in Christ, right? They, they were maybe in communist regime or other different types of regime that did not allow them to worship Christ, but they stood firm, and the book calls them Jesus freaks. So then the question is, what brings a Jesus freak to be willing to not only live for Christ, but also die for him? And I believe that today in our message, we will have the answer to that. If you would please follow me in John chapter 11. And we're going to read from verse 17 to 27. But we're going to focus on verse 25 to 27. So if you would please read with me John chapter 11, starting from verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, 
I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. Father, may you speak today to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing in our series in the book of John of the seven I am's. And we had said um, the first I am is I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And then I, and that was the theme of, the, of our revival. And then we continued with I am the gate. I am the gatekeeper, and then I am the good shepherd, and today we're going to see I am the resurrection and the life. And then following after that, we will see I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the last, and then we'll see I am the good vine. Now, we did not start with I am the bread of life. We will finish with I am the bread of life. But today it's I am the resurrection and the life. And so we're going to focus on verse 25 to verse 27. And the first part of verse 25 says, I am the resurrection. Now, if we go back a little bit, so uh, this is when we, you guys know the story, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha passed away, um, and then they went for Jesus, and Jesus on purposely, he waited. He did not come right away to the aid of his friend, and, uh, and it got to the point where he was dead for four days. Now, four days is significant because the Jews believed that the spirit would roam around the body uh, for, for three days. But then after three days, then it's a wrap. But also, biologically speaking, at four days, there's all sorts of decomposition that happened, bacteria, to go, it, like it, it's, the body is gone. It's gone. And that's why when Jesus got close to the tomb, Martha told him, don't go in there. It, it, it smells. You already, you already, you already started to smell. And, and so, if we go back to verse twenty-one, so um, Martha says to Jesus, "If you had been here, my brother would not have died." Right. Uh, uh, so she has a limited understanding of who is she is talking to. She knows him as the one who heals the sick, but she doesn't yet know him as the one who raises the dead. Right. And and and, and so she's like. Um, in between, because she says, if you had been there, he would not have died. But now that you're here, I know, verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And then Jesus makes a declaration. He says, Martha, your brother will rise again. And then she makes a theological statement and she says, yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the, at the last day. Right. So, so that's a theological statement, meaning that she understands that at the end, we're going to rise all together. Um, And she gets that as a Jewish woman. She would have gotten that from the Old Testament. So if you follow with me in Daniel chapter 2, chapter 12, sorry, um, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 to verse 3, and Daniel is one of the most prominent prophets of the Old Testament, and he predicted a lot about the end times and and a lot about what would happen in history. And it says this, Daniel chapter 2, chapter 12, sorry, verse 1 to 
3, but we will focus on verse 2. That's why 2 keeps coming out. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. And so Martha is referring to that time where it says multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Now, the reality is, is that everyone will rise again from the dead. Everyone, every single human being who lived on this earth will come back to life. But the question is, what will they come back to? Everyone in this room, now I know some of you are, you know, you go to the gym, you eat right, but 100% of human beings after Christ who are born will pass away. Now I wish for all of us that it's in 100 years. It's 100 years from now that you live a long and prosperous life on this earth, but it is inevitable that at a certain point our time comes. Our time comes, and that is for everybody, and everybody that ever existed will come back. And Daniel tells us some will come back to everlasting life, but others will come back to shame and everlasting contempt. And the question is for all of us is, what are we going to come back to? Everybody's going to come back. If you watch those whole Chinese movies, the guy that was on his bicycle drunk in China, He's going to come back. The guy that is, was rich in America, living large, and, and, and the, the plane crash, they're going to come back. The, the, the little kid in Africa running, he's going to come back. Every single human being is going to come back. But Daniel tells us some will be coming back to everlasting life, and others will come back to everlasting shame and contempt. And when so what Jesus is telling her is, I am the one with the power that will make that happen, right? Imagine the power that is needed so that every single human being, no matter how they passed away, if they you know, passed away in a fire and they're down to dust, or if they got cremated, they're all coming back because of the power of God. Imagine the power. There is right now 8 billion people on earth right now. But think how many people that represents from the beginning of times. From Adam to whoever's the last. We're all coming back. So Jesus is the resurrection. He's the one that brings, that has the power to bring everybody back. But he doesn't stop at I'm at the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And, 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 and the life part is what matters because everybody's going to come back. But are you going to come back to life? Are you going to come back to Christ? Are you, are you going to be okay when you come back? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. So 
we all deserve to come back to eternal shame and contempt. That's what we deserve. Because all of us, at a certain point in our lives, we messed up. But Jesus, being the one, the gift of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the gift of life comes. The gift of God is Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. Today's first Sunday, so we're going to have communion. And what communion is, it's a reminder of what Jesus did at the cross. The, the, the bread represents his body that was broken, right? Because they beat him to a pulp. And then the wine represents his blood that was spilled. And when he was doing that, he was taking on himself the punishment that should have been upon us. And because he did that, now those of us who believe in him will rise not to shame and contempt, but to everlasting life. And so he says, the third part of the verse, he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And that's what I believe the Jesus freaks understand. They understand that if they believe in Christ, if they live for Christ fully, even if they die, they will live. They understand that when your body dies, it is not the end. It's just a transition point. They understand that when your body dies and you're laying here, that's not your end. That's just a transition point to the next. You know, in, in the Greek, they have three words for life. They have uh, bio, right? So that's why if you go to school, you go to biology, right? And that relates to the physical life, the biological life. You have CK, which represent your soul life. So that's why you go to a psychologist to kind of get your mind straight. That, that's, that's, that, re, that refers to your soul life. But then you have Zoe. And Zoe, that's what refers to eternal life. That is the life that comes uh, from God. And that is the life, when you talk about eternal life, it's not only the life that lasts a long time. It's something that is eternal is something that cannot be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be taken away. And so when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he says, I am the Zoe. I am the life that will transcend into the next port, to the next world, right? And so he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And I think that is explained we can picture this by the words that Jesus said to his disciples, right? He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And in verse 26, what good Will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
For the Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory with angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. There's a friend of mine who was preaching who said, you know, we, we try to climb the ladder of life. We're trying to get ahead in this life, and that's not bad. But it, 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 it's a very concerning thing. It's a very sad thing that you climb the ladder of life only to get to the end and realize that you're on the wrong building. To realize that you're on the wrong building. So you climb all those ladders. You, you made all those achievements. But if you make whatever achievement that you make, if they're not made with Christ, they're in vain. They're in vain. When, when I was um, back home, I was on the bus one time, right? And this guy, he had this kid. He had a $20 bill. And he was bragging about that $20 bill. Hey, God, I got $20. I got $20. You got $20? So this other kid, he got smart. He had a bag of pennies. Like a lot of pennies. And he says, yo, okay, well, I'll give you my bag of pennies for your $20. And he says, you know, pennies are metal. Pennies are, are, are nice. You know, look, they shine. They're worth more than your $20. But I like you. I'll give you my pennies for your 20 And the kid who doesn't understand the value of money gave him the 20 for the pennies. But a lot of times we make that same exchange. The world is giving us pennies and everything that the world has to offer compared to what God has to offer, they are pennies because what the world has to offer, whatever it is, it is temporary. Eventually it will end. But what God has to offer will never end. It is eternal. But a lot of times we, we trade what is eternal for what is temporary. And that's a dummy straight. Sorry, I'm not calling anybody dummy, but that's not a smart trade. You do not want to trade what is eternal, the blessing of God, for what is temporary. The money, the fame, the whatever it is, the bragging rights, it, it all goes away. You know, I like sports like the next guy. But you know what? Ask me who won the Super Bowl five years ago. I don't know. And guess what? I don't really care, to be honest. I care about it at the moment, but it's temporary. But let me ask you, they ask me who died for my sin. It's Jesus Christ. And that is the best decision I ever made was to receive Christ. Cannot make any, any better decision. And that's what the Jesus freaks understand. They understand that if they believe in Christ... If, if, if they, even if they would die on this earth, if they stay faithful to Christ, they will live forever. And Paul says, and Paul exemplifies that in his life when he says in Galatians 2.20, have been crucified with Christ and I, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And because he loved me and he gave himself for me, now how do you respond to somebody that gave you everything? You respond by giving them everything back. By giving them everything back. And so... He says, verse, the last part of verse 25 says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then verse 26 starts, says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Whoever, and that's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to understand, but I think we can picture it better when we go into Revelation chapter 20. And so going to the end of the book, the end of the Bible, the end of times, the end of everything, when everything comes to culmination, if you follow with me in Revelation 20, verse 11 and 15, to 15, John tells us, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the key. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. But if we go back in that same chapter to verse 6, he says, Blessed are, blessed, sorry, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. You know the, the, the thing that says YOLO, you only live once? That's a lie. A lie. Yes, you only live once on this earth, but then you have a, 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 a on this earth you have a choice and then affects your next life. And then you, 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 as a Christian, you though, you only die once. Why you die in your body, but you don't die in eternal life. But if you're not saved, if you haven't received Christ, guess what? You not only die once, you die twice. You die twice. Now, I'm sorry to say, but that sucks. Not only do you die once, but then you die a second time. But that is the lake of fire. That is the second death. So that's a no-brainer deal, right? Jesus came, took your punishment on the cross, took every, every consequence, eternal consequence. He took it on the cross. Now, what you have to do is say yes to that. So, so it's kind of like my favorite holiday is Christmas, right? And so at Christmas, if you do it the American way, you put the gifts under the tree. But the gift have no use for the kids if they don't go and open them. Right? So you could have a tree and, and, and there's a bunch of gifts under that. Unless the kid goes and opens it, it's not no use to them. You know what I think, as I'm thinking of that, one of the biggest scams is gift cards. Here's why, Here's gift, why card gift card is a scam. Is a scam. It's because, because you ever, you ever got, a, got gift a gift card as a gift? And then, and you, then you didn't, use, didn't it? use it? That ever that, happened to you? You get a gift card? You always use your gift cards? Amen. Amen. But there's a percentage of the population that don't use their gift cards. 
So I paid the company for the card. I gave it to someone, but that someone never used it. So the company had the money, but they never gave the service that they were supposed to give. Is this the best deal? But how many of us, we have access to that gift, the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ, but we refuse to open it. We refuse to receive him. We refuse to give our lives to him. And therefore, that gift goes wasted in our lives. It is not wasted because it's saving billions of people. Billions of people around the world are receiving Christ, are getting saved, and are serving him, and they will be in heaven. I mean, one of my favorite passages is the book of Revelation when he says, I saw people of every nation, every people, every tongue, people from all over the world together worshiping the Lord in the presence of the Lamb. God saves people from all walks of life, from everywhere in the world. But the question today, is he going to save you? Is that going to be any good to you? And I feel that sometimes we're like, come to Christ when we need something. We come to him when we need something. We don't want, we, we want the giver, we want the giving, not the giver. We want the healing, not the healer. But we got to get to a point where we're enamored, we're in love with him. Brother Clervin shared a story last week of two brothers that were twins and one was doing bad things. The other one was serving God and the bad twin got into trouble and then he killed someone. So now he's going to face death. So the good twin said, "Okay, you know what? Let me take your clothes and and, and go out. And then the good twin took the clothes and went out and and, and he got the punishment that his brother should have gotten. Right. And, And I was asking myself, what would bring somebody to take his brother's place and face his brother's punishment. And as I'm thinking of that, it's two things. One is love, the love of the brother, but two is assurance, assurance of salvation. Because he knows where he's going, and he knows that his brother ain't going there yet. I'm going to buy my brother some time to repent, so I'm going to give myself, because I know my fate is assured, so I'm going to give myself so my brother can be saved. And that is the same thing that motivated Christ to come, is love. Because he knows that we cannot make it on our own, so he gave his life so that we, because he knows what's going to happen. He knows that he's going to go down, but he knows that he has no sin in him, so death is not going to be able to hold him down. He's going to be raised, and he's going to be the name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. He knows where he came from in the presence of the Father. He knows his power, but then he looks at us, and he's like, man, they ain't going to make it. He looks at Dave, says, Dave ain't going to make it. It's kind of like that movie, you know, in that movie when they're, they're running and they got to jump, but the helicopter is going and he's not going to make it, so what? You extend the hand to save their life. So that's what Christ did. He did it out of love. And so the question is, the same question that Jesus asked Martha, he said, he asked Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And Martha answered, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So though she didn't understand everything, she understand, Jesus, you're special. 
You're the Messiah, the one, the Savior of the world, and I'm going to trust you. I don't understand everything, and I'm going to trust you. And that's what I want to challenge you. Maybe you don't understand everything that's going on right now. Uh, things are hard. Things are difficult. But can you trust him? Can you trust him through this? Because he's the one with the power of the resurrection. So the question that I have for you is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And if you do, you give your life to Christ. You give your life to Christ. You know, most of the self-help, productivity guru, they tell you a trick. They say, if you want to achieve something, you need, if you want to be productive, you need to start with the end in mind. So, for instance, if you go to college, well, you need to know what career you want so that when you go through the ringer of college, you have the motivation because you're thinking about your career. If you're in a relationship and, you know, things get dicey, you don't just quit. You have to think about the end in mind. You have to think about what your objective was. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you want to, Receive Christ, and I'm not just talking to the non-Christian. I'm talking if you're a Christian, but you want to live to the second level, it start with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. The end in our case is heaven. We do everything that we do on this earth. We understand that we're not here to please, uh, to get our names in the you know on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. That's not what matters. What matters is to get our name in the Book of Life. So now, if that's what's in your mind, now every action now is guided towards what your goal is. And if your goal is that when you're standing in front of the throne and they open the books and they start reading your life story in front of everybody, by the way, Amen. You want that report to be good. You want that report. The, the words that you want to hear when you get to heaven is, well done, my faithful servant. Come into the joy of your master. So now everything in your life is going to be catered to what that end is going to be. And that's going to be different for each and every one. So, but live with the end in mind. And so what that means is you need to invest in the kingdom of God. You need to invest your time in the kingdom of God. You need to invest your money for the kingdom of God. You need to invest your resources in the kingdom of God. Some of you, you need to invest your career. God is going to give you prosperity. God is going to give you wealth. God is going to get you to a high place. But it's not for you to just enjoy and have fun. It's for you to turn around and be a blessing to other people. It's for you to turn around and, and help the children that don't have parents in Haiti, to help the children that don't have parents in Mexico, wherever the case is, is for you to be a blessing to other people. Invest your resources. But some of you, it's not, it's not going to be money. But you have a gift, and that gift allows you to minister to children. So that's how you're going to invest in that kingdom. Others, it's going to be, you know what? You, you, you're, you're from the hood. So now, you're from the hood. You can talk to the guys in the hood. And you can take the guys that went to jail. You can take the guys that were dealing dope, and you can minister to them and bring them back to the kingdom. But invest in the kingdom of God. But no matter what happens. So in the book of Daniel, he says, there's going to be a time of distress, distress. Such as has never happened since the beginning of nations. 
So since World War II, World War I, all of those wars, there's going to be a time of distress that is coming that is worse than those days. Now, this is not about a sermon about the end times, but if you look at the different pieces, the technology, the, the, the mentality, and all the different things that are happening, it is not far-fetched to think that we're heading slowly into that time of distress. Such as has never happened. And, and so what I want to tell you is if it gets hard, if it gets hard for us, follow Christ faithfully. Faithfully follow Christ, no matter what, no matter what. And, and sometimes, yes, you have what they call the great tribulation, but sometimes it's not the great tribulation. Sometimes it's just tribulation. And sometimes you go as a person to your own tribulation, or your own hard times, your own, your own difficult times. But no matter how hard, how hard these times get, follow Christ faithfully. And last is expect great things from God. Expect great things from God. The Lord that we're saving is the resurrection and the life. He is going to bring back every single human being, every single billion and billion. He's going to bring them back to life. That is the Lord that you're serving. That is the Lord that you gave your life to. There's a missionary, William Carey. His, he has this quote that I like. He says, expect great things from God. And attempt great things from God. For God. If you expect great things from God, that frees your mind to attempt great things for God. Because you know that you serve the one in the universe that has all the resources. He has all power, all authority. So now you don't need to be afraid to attempt what you need to attempt because he is by your side. And I'm going to end with this example I like to give. Sometimes, because you guys talk to me and say, oh, Dave, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. And I want to tell you this today. Go for it. You know why you can go for it? Because if you gave your life to Christ, you're not holding on to him. He's holding on to you. And there's no way I let my kid walk in the street and I'm holding on to them. I'm not going to let them run on Sample Road. I'm going to hold them tight. So God is going to hold you tight. Do you believe this? My prayer is that you would say yes. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, God, and we thank you because you are the resurrection and the life. And that we know that no matter what, we ha what happens to us on this earth, in the end, we'll be in your presence. Not only on the other side, but also here. That you are with us at this moment. That you speak to our hearts at this moment. That you attend to our needs in, at this moment because you're a faithful God. And we put our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. Amen.